I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Marcus Bronzy here from Trek Culture. Now, revenge in Star Trek is a trait that may often be attributed to the villains, but... It is by no means limited to them. In every bright and shining universe, there's a dark side just waiting for its chance to come out. And this is as true in Star Trek as it is in any franchise. Gene Roddenberry's future may have been created as a utopia, but even he admitted that humanity would go through hell to find its paradise. The Bell Riots and the World War III would both occur in the build-up to the future as we've seen it paving the way for allegedly better times ahead. This list breaks down some of the most shocking and brutal acts of revenge to ever occur on Star Trek. Oftentimes, these acts come from cold calculation and long-term planning. Other times, they're hot-blooded and come from seemingly nowhere. In any case, in a universe that prides itself on inherent goodness, the existence of vengeance in the future is proof enough that even with the best of intentions, humanity and its cohorts can't shape the basest elements of their nature. Strap in! It's time for 10 of the most brutal acts of revenge in Star Trek. Number 10. The Next Generation Silicon Avatar Dr. Kylemar, a xenologist, is assigned to the Enterprise after another encounter with the crystalline entity. She's been studying the creature since its attack on Omicron Theta, the colony where Data was created and the attack wherein she lost her own son. Through Data, she manages to hear her son's voice again as the colonists downloaded their logs to his brain before the attack. In what could have been a bittersweet episode dealing with the strive to continue after the grief of losing a child, the story switches. Dr. Ma wants revenge. The entity, described like a whale devouring cuttlefish, is actually quite simple, just consuming what it needs to survive. But to Ma, this is a monster that destroyed not only the life of her son, but her family and her legacy. So when she's given the chance, she initiates a pulse that finally shatters the creature like glass. And whilst Picard is outraged, she feels a cool sense of satisfaction. She has avenged her son, so she turns to Data to get the confirmation that she's done well. And Data, well, he doesn't deliver this. Her victory actually becomes quite hollow when Data, the repository of her son's memories, informs her that her son would actually be quite ashamed of her actions. Now the entity may have destroyed her son, but vengeance ruined her for life. Number nine, Voyager, Equinox. Catherine Janeway, Energize, is one of Starfleet's most resolute captains in the whole franchise. I mean, her entire arc begins and ends with the search for home and she keeps her crew safe 
and as happy as possible whilst keeping them on the right track. Now she excels at all of the above, but to the point where it overtakes her reasoning from time to time. When Voyager encounters the Equinox, she sees a mirror of herself in Captain Ransom. Here's another captain who's done whatever it took to keep his crew safe, only he hasn't allowed morality to stand in his way. He's chosen to kill members of an alien species to fuel his ship. Janeway, obviously against this, begins to hunt for him like none she has ever displayed before. No weapon is off limits as she attempts to stop the Equinox from escaping. She captures several of their crew and locks them in a room unprotected from the retribution of the aliens they'd murdered for fuel. And it's only the intervention of Chakotay that saves said men from certain death. Now Janeway has fallen down a rabbit hole here where she claims she's only attempting to intimidate the men into revealing the secrets on the Equinox. Really, she's putting their lives in danger and her clear anger toward Chakotay suggests that she might not have been able to be pulled back from the edge. It takes Ransom, her counterpart and the target of her rage to sacrifice himself before she's able to take a bit of a step back. And this is one of the darkest moments of Janeway's journey and it was targeted at other Starfleet officers as well. Now if that's not revenge, I don't know what it is. Number eight, Star Trek Into Darkness, when Khan kills Marcus. Love him or hate him, love him. The Abrams films have definitely got a lot of standout moments and this is one of them. Star Trek is no stranger to violence. I mean, this list is an example in itself, but few examples are as vicious as Khan crushing Admiral Marcus's head in the third act of Star Trek Into Darkness. It's shocking and Although Khan is not depicted as anything other than ruthless throughout the film, it's a really gory moment, stepping much further out than we're used to seeing in the Star Trek franchise. Whilst Star Trek Into Darkness is considered by some to be the weakest of the three films, it tried at least to show the divisions in Starfleet and the effect of the warmongering on the innocent. Abrams' team of Enterprise crew are young and mostly reckless, save Spock, and they're all easily likeable. They're rarely shown out of their depth, but in facing Khan, they're pitted against a man who is light years ahead of them in both skill and determination. And this very same man was kept in check by an admiral who kept his crew hostage. So it's often suggested that Kirk would do anything to protect his crew. So what happens when you threaten the crew of a man who is on the genetic version of steroids? Well, in this case, they get revenge in the form of shattering your daughter's leg and then squishing your head. Squish. Number seven, the next generation, the vengeance factor. Now, this entry is an example of brutality taking the long way round. It deals with a promise to destroy every member of a rival faction, overtaking all other considerations and consuming many lives in the process. Utah, a seemingly young and beautiful woman, has been hunting members of the Lornak clan as they were responsible for destroying her people. Through time, she's found her way from member to member, poisoning them as she goes. She's been so dedicated and so consumed by this that it's actually her search that's her undoing. Her last intended victim, the leader of a faction vying for independence from their world, will secure her task's completion with his death. And she gets very close to killing him. She's stopped by a good old Riker though, who'd come to realize her vendetta just in time. Even with her plot exposed, she pleads with Riker to let her continue. She's not just about to murder one man, she's about to end the bloodline of the Lornak clan, effectively completing her micro-genocidal task. Seeing no other option in life but to continue, she tries not once but twice to get him. And Riker, well, he's got a shooter. There's a look between them, a moment of understanding. She's beyond help, beyond redemption, and she will kill this man. And Riker seeing this, fires. And the last member of 
the Trelesta clan, is vaporized. Consumed not just by the phaser, but by the hunt. Number six, Deep Space Nine, What You Leave Behind, featuring Garrick and Weiyun. Love those guys. Well, hate them. Well, you know what I mean. Now, it should come as no shock that Garrick finds a spot on this list, but perhaps the reason is one of the saddest there could be for him. He has certainly been responsible, although he'd probably deny it, for many atrocities in the course of his career. Not many of them would be classified as revenge. If anything, much of his CV would be described in emotionless, dutiful terms. Garrick was at all times fiercely patriotic, but he was exiled from his homeland, and for years he suffered in silence at his situation. Along the way, he lost the technology that kept him happy. He lost his sense of purpose with the fall of the Obsidian Order. Then he lost his only love with the murder of Ziao. So when the chance finally came to fight back against something, he did what Garak does. He took it. He joined Kira and Odo in their attempts to turn Damar's Rebellion into a unit with a chance. For a time it succeeds, but they all eventually fall to Dominion informants, stranding Garak on Cardassia Prime. He seeks shelter in his old home, hidden away, and then that's taken away from him as well. He fights his way to Dominion HQ with Kieran Damar being one of the last survivors to storm the control center. There stands Weyun, bitter to the last. He comments on the destruction that Cardassia is facing. With a quiet smile though, Garrick murders him. It's simple, it's casual. It's a man so broken that someone somewhere had to pay. Garrick is finally home. Number five, the next generation, the survivors. How does one judge a god? The Enterprise encountered the last survivor of a race called the Dowd on a lonely barren world with one last patch of green on the surface. The existence of this house is a mystery as the rest of the planet is laid bare. While in orbit, an alien vessel arrives to attack but it's quickly sent packing. There are two survivors on the planet and they refuse to leave. This is crazy, but the mystery deepens when the alien vessel returns, then overpowers the Enterprise and proceeds to destroy the house. But then within a day, the house is back and everything seems to reset. Hmm. Sometime before the Enterprise's arrival, there was a colony on the planet and there settled these two survivors, Kevin and Reshawn Uxbridge. Now they had lived peacefully until one day the colony was wiped out by the Husnock from space. Everyone on the planet, including Rishon, was killed. And Kevin wasn't. Why? Because Kevin's not human. He's actually a being of phenomenal power. So what did he do? He flew into a rage and destroyed the invaders. And when I say destroyed, I mean all of them. Not just all of them around the planet or in the local sector. I mean all of the race, everywhere, forever. When his blood cooled, if that's what omnipotent aliens have, and he could think again straightly, he actually fell into despair. Here was a being with all of this destructive power, but without the power to undo his actions. In the end, he felt like he was no better than the invaders. Perhaps he was even worse. Number four, Picard, Stardust City Rag. Seven of nine, right, Seven of Nine's return to Star Trek has been hotly anticipated since her first appearance in the Picard trailer. Fans have wondered what her role would be and what her relationship with Picard would be like, and it has been dark. Echeb is tortured and flayed for his Borg parts right before her eyes and she euthanizes him, breaking forever. But time passes and thanks to Picard's quest, she finds herself before the person responsible. And you can guess what she did. 
phases set to max. She vaporizes the crime lord, Bejazel, who's not, I repeat, not Commander Troy, but does look a lot like her. Deliberate? Yeah, who knows? Now this act of vengeance for her is cathartic. It is bold and it is entirely the opposite of what Seven would have done when Voyager returned home. And I think that's the whole point. Number three, Deep Space Nine, the darkness and the light. Kira Norris was a terrorist by her own admission. The acts she engaged in to fight the Cardassians during the occupation of Bajor are an uncomfortable truth in her backstory. They were a necessary evil in the fight for freedom, but it goes without saying that there are those who would forever see her as the bringer of pain and death. And one such person was a man named Sillerin Prin, a Cardassian who had been gravely wounded in an attack by the Shakar resistance cell. Maimed, he fled to Bajor. He resurfaced years later with a plan. He systematically hunted down those responsible for his pain, working his way through the survivors of the cell until finally Kira came to him. His plan for revenge was wrapped up in the delusion of his innocence and his quest to avenge those he felt the Bajorans had robbed of life. Kira, pregnant with O'Brien's baby, look, I'll explain that in another episode. Prin would steal away with the child so it could be raised in the light. Yeesh, sounds dodgy on who knows what he's going to do. While Kira overcomes him and kills him, his story is a sad one. Whilst it's true he saw no issue with the Cardassian occupation, which was wrong, he took great offence to both Bajoran's attempts to overthrow them and most personally, the attack that brought the reality of their situation into his world. He was the avenging angel in his own view, which was pretty twisted in my opinion. Number two, Deep Space Nine for the uniform. Out of all of the Prime Universe captains, Captain Sisko has arguably gone to the darkest places out of all of them. Certainly Archer and Janeway towed the line, but Sisko is directly responsible for the destruction of a planet. Michael Eddington was a Starfleet officer who switched to the Marquis, lying to Sisko for months before leaving. There begins a vendetta that has rarely been seen in Star Trek before or since. Sisko doesn't just do his duty in his search for Eddington, he hunts him down doggedly. Eddington sometimes toys with him, sometimes fights with him, but always manages to evade capture. This evasion eats away at Sisko. Sisko's a winner, he's a hunter, and he's a great Starfleet captain. And this one man gets away again and again. So what happens when the Marquis launch a biological weapon into the atmosphere of the Cardassian colony? Sisko reacts in kind. He orders the Defiant to a known Marquis colony and sends out the warning. He's gonna poison the planet and many more unless the Marquis surrender their weapons. But that's not the main reason he's doing this. Sisko, this powerful and profoundly decent man, is willing to ravage a planet to capture the one man who beat him, Eddington. Eddington calls his bluff and Sisko orders the weapon to be deployed. Benjamin Sisko went to some very murky places while he was in command of DS9, but the deliberate destruction of a world in his search for revenge is one of the darkest corners of his psyche that is ever shown on screen. Number one, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. Khan? He's the superhuman so nice on this list he's featured twice. <laughs> Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is arguably one of the best Star Trek films to date. Now the story is one of epic revenge sought by the man who feels more than wronged by Admiral Kirk. He feels as though Kirk's actions have led to the direct death of his wife and the loss of his chance at a good life. Now, this Khan is a very different beast from the monster of the J.J. Abrams film. He's cool, he's collected, most of all, 
he's brilliant. He takes on Kirk and is only let down by his lack of experience in space. In a ship to ship battle, the Enterprise wins the day. But Khan is not defeated. Crippled and burned, he drags himself across the deck of the bridge. He activates the Genesis device, quoting Moby Dick as he does. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. Yeah, he does it way better than all of us. Anyway, Khan is the man responsible for the death of Spock. There's no greater sin in Star Trek than to take away Spock from Kirk. Abandoned on what became a desolate planet, Khan waited, he plotted, he schemed, until fate stepped in and he was freed. There was nothing left but revenge in him. And he hunts Kirk, then he hurts Kirk. His one wish was to inflict the same damage on Kirk that had been inflicted on him. And as he watches the Enterprise attempt to slink away, he smiles and dies. Dream achieved. Now the most successful act of revenge in Star Trek history ensures Khan's place as the greatest villain in the entire franchise. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 